it's all right if I pray again. I've got I, I I've got a some some things on my heart to share with you this evening, um, and I would just really like to invite the Lord to speak to our hearts what He wants to say to us this evening. So, Father, I thank you that you are not a God who is far off, but one who is close, and that you love to speak to us. And so this evening, God, as we look at your word together and, God, explore what it means to flourish, God, I pray that you would really speak to our hearts this evening. Lord, where we need a fresh word of encouragement from you, you are well able to do that. So we just are receptive. We want to have ears to hear what you have to say to us this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. So last month we started a just a little mini series of two two um, months worth looking at Proverbs thirty one. I admitted to the to you who were here last time that she is not my favourite biblical woman, and um, but I really hope that after last time you left with a new appreciation that this fictitious woman and she is a fictitious woman but is not just set there to ruin our lives as women by setting this unattainable benchmark that we're never going to reach. But actually she is the reflection of a valiant woman. Um, that what we see in her are the many and varied reflections of the feminine heart. That there's no one size fits all for us as women. And that in fact she really does cover a very large and broad picture of what it means to be a woman of excellence. I, we explored that it's not actually our roles that define excellence in womanhood or actually our value to the Lord and that you are a valiant woman not because of what you do or because of how perfect you are but because the Father says that you are an excellent woman and that you have value and that is who he's purposed you to be. So um, I put before you last time, and again I do the same this evening, that Proverbs 31, the woman, P31 I called her, is the picture of a woman who is valued and flourishing. And so last month we looked at our need as women for value and that actually this need the Father genuinely wants to meet in our lives. We saw that reflected in how Jesus valued women and also actually how he intends for that to be extended where we value one another. That in fact he intends for us to be in communities and in fellowship where we feel valued and we also acknowledge the value of others. So as women, as sisters in Christ, it is actually a mandate on our lives to cheer one another on, to encourage one another, to walk alongside one another. I think that I've shared with you before, many of you would know that I'm a mother of four girls and I have to say that four little women in our household means that there is a reasonable amount of bickering at times. And, but there's nothing more joyous to my heart and to Justin's heart when we see the girls get alongside each other and encourage each other, particularly if they don't know we're watching. Like, you know, when it's just that moment where they've just encouraged one another um, not to try and get 
brownie points with mum and dad, but actually as a genuine heart towards one another. And the father feels like that about us, that when we encourage one another and cheer each other on, that actually that really blesses his heart. So if you weren't here um, last week, I would really encourage you, last week, last month, I would really encourage you to listen to the podcast. But the other thing that I guess that I did just want to touch on is that we talked about the importance of valuing ourselves. So as women, I don't know that we're always great at doing that. Um, And the Lord intends for us to do that. And in my early years of understanding of Proverbs 31, I really thought that she served at complete expense to herself. That's I read it and I just saw this woman who must surely be harried and um, exhausted. And But actually when you read it and you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you see that she did she did take notice of her own needs and she took responsibility for those and ensured that um, that in both her physical body and in her relationships and in her life that those needs were met. Um, So tonight what I want to do is I want to look at how when we live through this lens of knowing our value that that leads to a life that is flourishing and, and those of you who um, have heard me share before, those words valued and flourishing are the words that I've really felt that the Lord has um, spoken over us as women here at Vision for this year, that that's on his heart for us. So first of all, I just wanted to start with looking at the biblical framework for flourishing. Uh, the world has quite a different view of flourishing to the Lord. Um, and so it's really important for us to know when we use the word flourishing in a biblical context, what um, does God mean by that? So uh, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 92. I'm going to put my glasses on. It's only a couple of verses. So if you don't have your Bible, um, I'm... It won't be hard to follow. So Psalm 92, we're just reading verses 12 and 13. It says, The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. So the righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. So this Hebrew word here for flourish is parach. And parach means to blossom, to break forth. It means abundance. It, it, it speaks of a bud forming or sprouting. It also means to fly, which is an interesting addition, I thought. So to blossom, break forth, abundance, to bud, sprout and fly. To me, all of those words speak of life and they speak of freedom. And so it was God's intention from the foundation of his creation of the world for his creation to flourish. And actually, our desire to flourish is really deep within all of us. Human flourishing is actually a key biblical theme 
woven throughout scripture. And this is the very nature and goal of God's redemption for us in Christ, to flourish. That, that through Christ, we are offered eternal and abundant, flourishing life. When I was thinking about this, I was reminded of Jesus when he read in the synagogue, um, and the, the account is recorded in Luke 4, but he read from Isaiah 61. And he said to the people, in your hearing today, this has been fulfilled. This was the mandate on his life, if you like. And I just want to read it to you because this is the, the process of flourishing, the redemption that he offers us. It says in Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them beautiful headdresses instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This to me is a, the very picture of the flourishing that Jesus came to bring to us and to restore to um, the Lord's creation. So in Jesus, we find the answer to the foundational human question of how to flourish and thrive. So both Psalm 92 and Isaiah 61 reveal that flourishing has everything to do with where we're planted or in fact probably more accurately in whom we are planted so in the natural a tree flourishes when it's planted in rich soil and obviously needs light and a water source and all of those things to flourish but that idea of where a tree is planted we planted um, a fig tree many years ago and it, it, when we first planted it, it seemed like we'd obviously completely chosen the wrong spot for it because it was just really stunted for quite a lot of years. And so we actually, uh, after talking to Justin's parents, we dug it up and we moved it. And, I mean, we have this flourishing fig tree now. We're having, enjoying its second crop at the moment. And it's just flourishing. Again, it just wasn't in the right soil. So just as a, in the natural, a tree needs to be planted in the right soil... For us, we flourish when we're planted in Christ. That's the right soil for us. Now, so this is so the first word we've looked at, Hebrew word for flourishing, is parach. The, another word that actually interestingly means flourishing is shalom. Now, shalom is often translated peace, but actually, shalom means universal flourishing. I love that. Universal flourishing. It means wholeness and it means delight. I read this um, quote during the week. It said, Shalom is a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied, 
natural gifts fruitfully employed. It's a state of affairs that inspires joy and wonder in our creator and saviour. Shalom, universal flourishing. So the Bible, if we read it in its entirety, reveals to us that full shalom or the fullness of shalom awaits God's people at the end of this age. That in this last chapter of redemptive history, when Christ returns to consummate his kingdom, we will experience the fullness of shalom. In the meantime, however, we are called to work towards or I think maybe more accurately, we're called to lean in to the invitation and promise of shalom while we await the return of Christ. So this transformative process of shalom, if you like, this universal flourishing in our life, this, this is flourishing. This is what it means biblically to flourish. I was looking at Psalm 92 and Isaiah 61 and thinking, well, what does it teach us about flourishing from a biblical perspective? So I've just got four points that I think we can take from these two passages of Scripture that help us get a better picture of when God talks about his desire for us to flourish, what what does that mean? So biblical flourishing we are actually provided with both the means and the ends to flourish. So God sets out this vision and a promise of flourishing and what it looks like and then he provides the means or the way by which we flourish. Salvation and wholeness found in Jesus. Isaiah 61 uses this phrase that we will be called oaks of righteousness. And interestingly, Psalm 92 also uses the word righteousness. It says that the, right, that right, the righteous will flourish. And what we know to be true as women who love the Lord is that our righteousness is not of our own doing. Romans, in Romans 3, Paul says that the righteousness of God is ours through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So this means that actually the source of flourishing is found outside of ourselves. It's imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. And he redeems us in relationship with the Father and enables us to actually pursue and experience flourishing, not just at the end of the age, but actually right now. You'll remember that Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it in abundance. And I love the fact that this, you know, often we think of that as being, well, when, when we get to heaven, we'll have life in abundance. But this word for life here, it's not a future tense word. He's actually saying, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly right now. It's a present tense So it actually means now he intends for us not just to flourish at the end of the age when he comes back for us, but he actually intends for us to flourish now. Secondly, a biblical understanding of flourishing will always lead to us directing all the glory to God as the source of our flourishing. So he is the source of the flourishing in our life. Um, Again, in Psalm, um, sorry, in Isaiah 61, it says that we're oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be 
glorified. I love in Matthew 5.16, it says, Let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So that in fact, that biblical flourishing will have other people also recognizing that the source of the flourishing in our life is the Lord. So that's number two. Number three, true transformative flourishing will flow out of you to others. It will be missional and a priestly in the way that it flows through your life and will be focused on reflecting God's glory to others. So flourishing always will have an outworking. It will have a flow-on effect, if you like, because flourishing leads to flourishing in those around us. Life breeds life. And then fourthly, in terms of biblical flourishing, it isn't set aside just as an exclusive access to some people. Biblical flourishing is available to every man, woman, child, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, whether we're slave or free, whether we're Jew or Gentile, and doesn't matter what colour of skin we have, that biblically speaking, flourishing is available to everyone. And in fact, the very definition of injustice from heaven's perspective is when one part of creation flourishes at the expense of another. So if you think about any injustice that you could think of around the world, it will have at its source one part of creation looking to flourish at the expense of another. That is not God's intention. So in fact, when we talk about justice from God's perspective, it's that mutual flourishing. That's what justice is. And so injustice is when there's that, it's out of balance. And so flourishing is available to everyone. God's intent is that it's available to all of creation. So we are going to get back to P31 with this overview, I guess, of what it means to flourish from a biblical perspective. I want to look now at how this is reflected in our valiant woman in Proverbs 31. Now, but caveat, we are going to remember a couple of myth-busting statements from last time. I want you to remember that this is not the day in the life of this woman. When we read Proverbs 31, we should never read it as if she's accomplished all of those things in one day. It's actually much more likely to be reflective of her lifetime. So that means that when we look for how she's flourishing in her life, this is flourishing throughout her lifetime. This is not just the flourishing contained in one day because otherwise we're never going to nail that, you know. Um, you know, it, there's, just, there's just no possibility of it in one week, in one month or even years. So just remember that when we look at the ways she is flourishing, it's throughout her lifetime. The, what I want you to do is I want you to read this as her Facebook highlight reel because no one's life runs this smoothly every day. And then I also want to remind you, which I spoke about last time, this is an allegory. 
So this is an allegory of the end-time bride of Christ. So actually what we see here reflected in her life is the fullness of shalom that awaits us. Now that doesn't mean that we cannot live in pursuit of the flourishing we see in her life now and trusting for God to bring that about in our life and to live an abundant life now. But just remember that because this is an allegory for the end-time bride of Christ, the, the seeming perfection that you see is really the fullness of the shalom that awaits us. So P31, the woman, reflects the fullness of flourishing. And what we'll find as we look at her is that there are many and varied areas of her life. Flourishing covers our whole life. It's not just one area. And I actually think it's really worth noting that all of this is described in the context of her ordinary life. She's not a celebrity. She's not like some public figure. She's an ordinary woman who has to clean the toilet, who has to get food on the table, who has a job that she has to earn money from. Like she's an ordinary woman. You know, again, we talked about last time that this is the excellence of womanhood reflected in ordinary life. And I think that that should be actually an encouragement to us as opposed to that flourishing is some incredible spiritual experience that none of us are going to attain. God means for us to flourish in the ordinariness of our life. So with these things in mind, let's have a look a little bit at her. I'm not actually going to read the passage of Scripture again tonight. If you weren't here last time, I would recommend that with these things in mind, you have a look at her again. You might feel more happy about her than you did before. Or, or maybe you never had a problem with her. Maybe it's just me. Um, so, P31 is flourishing in her own private and personal world. She has pleasure in her life. She has physical strength and vitality. Her life is fulfilling and purposeful and it says that she's not fearful for her future or for that of her family. When we read her story, she's flourishing in her relationships. So she's flourishing in her relationship with God and she's flourishing in her relationship with people. She's flourishing in her everyday life. She's flourishing in her daily tasks both domestic and in the work and business sphere and she's flourishing in her mission or her ministry and calling and if you look at her life there's this really obvious overflow we said that flourishing true biblical flourishing will overflow and outwork to influence those around you and you can see that in her life that the flourishing she experiences in her life has this overflow effect to those around her i was thinking about this and i guess this is a statement you can decide to agree or disagree but i really feel that as a woman flourishing, this picture of this woman flourishing in P31, that actually the very nature of the feminine heart that God has placed within her, this reflection of his image within her as a woman, is actually expressed more clearly. That in fact, the see if I can put that differently. So the expression of the feminine heart of God is more clearly evidenced in her life as a woman who is flourishing. The more we're flourishing, 
the more, I guess, Christ-like we become uh, and the more we are more accurately reflecting. Again, that will never be perfect, let's be honest. But that in fact, in her life, what you're seeing, because what's being reflected is the fullness of shalom, is that in fact you see traits that are really particularly part of who we are as women. Um, let me see if I can explain that a bit better. So in her relationships in her life, and I don't want you in her life, that's reflected in marriage and with her children because that's her life, but I want you to think more broadly that this is in relationships in general. But I think that what's reflected in her life is are part of the strengths for us as women. So she provides practically and generously for those around her as she's flourishing. She's diligent and she's purposeful. This is in her relationships. She speaks life and what you see is as she speaks life, that praise flows back to her. So it talks about how her husband honours her with his words and how her children honour her with their words. So as she speaks life, you get to see this flow back to her. You see that her giving comfort and encouragement and she really is trustworthy, respectful and she's healthy in her relationships. You see her as someone who comes alongside and again as women, whether that's in a marriage situation, whether that's with our friends, with our family, whoever that's with, I actually think that that's a real gift in our life as women to come alongside. And what you see in P31 is that she actually really delights to equip others and to see them flourishing. She's resourceful and industrious um, and she uses what's in her hands. I mean, she's obviously a bit of a, um, she's obviously a businesswoman because it talks about her buying and selling fields. It talks about her planting vineyards. Um, it talks about her sewing and making things. But what she does is, I'm definitely not a sewer, um, but what she does is she use what, uses what's in her hands. She uses the gifts and the talents that God has given her and she uses those purposefully. And what she puts her hands to is fruitful and it releases life. We read that she's really generous and with what she has in her hands, she uses that to actually provide for the poor and the lowly and the needy. So she actually reaches out to others with this heart of justice, with this desire to see other people flourishing. We can, I think, extrapolate from her story that she is a woman who speaks up and acts, that she gives voice wisely to things and communicates with moral strength. She's actually an influencer. Like she, she has all the characteristics of somebody who is able to, in a godly way, influence those around her. And she's a woman of conviction, so she pursues her passion and her calling. And then all of these actions of worship and devotion flow into what she's doing purposefully. So they're all still, again, bringing glory back to God. So this is the potential of flourishing in its fullness. And it's across every aspect of her life. But as I was preparing for this, I felt the yank of tension. As I look at the perfection that it is reflected in her life and this fullness of flourishing through every part of her life, I just felt that it presents us with this tension as women that 
there's this tension between this promise that's held for us of fullness of flourishing and then the reality of our experience. I know my story and I know some of your stories. And so I found myself saying, God, how do we apply this concept of the promise of flourishing to our lives if we're struggling? Like if there are areas where we think, really, I feel far from flourishing, what does that look like? How do we juggle that tension of the promise and then the reality of our experience? And the Lord asked me to share a bit vulnerably. So we're women, so I'm going to be vulnerable. Um, I, um, some of you would know this, but I struggled quite significantly with postnatal depression after all four of my children, but most particularly after my fourth child. Kind of a combination of obviously the way that my brain is wired with chemically, but also I was she was an absolutely appalling sleeper, and I'm not great with no sleep. And she was I just was exhausted all the time, and I had children in school and preschool, and it was hard work. And as this blackness really descended on me, I just felt completely lost, and. I I don't even I couldn't even say that I cried all the time. I actually really just felt nothing. I felt very numb and there were really no signs of flourishing in my life at, at all. I was surviving. Um, it was a time that was difficult in my marriage because really when you're very depressed it impacts the way that you relate to people. I remember once my, my during that time my sister, my youngest sister was admitted to hospital and I just so was unable to look outside of myself that it took my other sister to go, Catherine, you haven't even been to see her. Like, you've at least got to go in. I mean, she was in Canberra. It wasn't far away. But I was just so unable to look outside what I just needed to be able to get through day to day and wrapped up in my own pain that it was, it damaged my relationships. And I felt really hard done by and isolated and looked over. But it was during this time that, I probably in desperation actually really I ended up sharing with our home group that I was really struggling and as they prayed for me somebody got this picture of an almond tree in blossom so I wrote it down and I went away and I looked it up and what I found out is that almond trees are one of the first fruit trees to get blossom and in fact they get blossom when it's still really the tail end of winter and it was very hard to see how there could be a blossom in my life or a flourishing or how that was even possible in this kind of deep winter of depression. But actually what I found is that as I'd, I guess, opened myself up a little bit, that my heart began to respond to this picture or this promise of this almond tree. It just gave me a hint that life may not always just stay this way. And I mean, I'd love to say to you that I had this immediate, miraculous healing from depression. I didn't. I have a friend who that's her story. Mark DuPont was here and she was in the depths of depression and she had prayer and it just like that, absolutely, instantly. For me, that wasn't really my story. For me, recovery was really a process. And it really came with one invitation from the Lord at a time. And one of those invitations was to attend a women's conference in Perth. 
it meant leaving my four young children and I just had an inheritance from my grandmother and after Justin was very supportive and after um, praying, I just, I just knew that I needed to go and that I was to use this money that I'd had as an inheritance from my grandmother to do it. Now, I cannot tell you, to be honest, what the content of the conference was. I'm not really sure. What I can tell you is that as we flew into Perth, I began to hear the Lord speaking to me. Like for the first time in 18 months, through this bleakness, I heard his quiet, small voice. Like it was just clear and sure and life-giving. And I just became more aware of his presence with me right in the middle of my mess. And I just got this awareness that I was of value to him and that he was inviting me to go deeper with him. And I, what happened for me was in that moment who God was became much more clearly in focus again. I just had really just lost all sense of who he could be in my life and that actually flourishing wasn't about me trying to assert my mind over the matter and just deal with my depression, but that in fact he would, one invitation at a time, begin to restore me. And that's what happened. This is only like a tiny slice of that restorative process in my life. And the fullness of what he spoke to me nine years ago in Perth is still outworking in my life now. And in fact, became an integral part of my yes to him and his invitation to me to become a pastor. Things he spoke to me then that seemed like they could not possibly be a part of my life seven years later became a part of that clear direction this is what I have for you I think there's always a difficulty when you share testimony that there's obviously no formula like there's no formula for how he restores flourishing in our life and um, that's not to say that I have the fullness of shalom in every aspect of my life but in that one area and in that season that just really felt very bleak to me and very like really could it ever be any different what happened was that he just spoke into my life this this invitation one at a time that I could just respond to and I think there's a paradox for us in Christian flourishing that is none so glaring as in the Beatitudes where Jesus says blessed are the poor in spirit the grief-stricken the hungry and the thirsty None of these descriptions exactly resound like pictures of flourishing, do they? Unless we believe a deeper truth. That flourishing or shalom is not simply the absence of conflict or trial or difficulty. Flourishing and shalom is about the Lord's gracious presence in the midst of every area of our life. And that was really what he revealed to me in that trip to Perth his presence in my life we sang about it tonight your your presence lord you know that in fact he is the source of our flourishing there isn't flourishing or the ability to flourish is outside of our ability to just make it happen and i am definitely a woman who would prefer to just pull myself up by my bootstraps and just make it happen like that's i'm a very practical oriented person i'm quite task focused but there wasn't really anything I could have done to get myself out of that mess. 
I'm sure you're all aware of Numbers 6, the Aaronic blessing. Um, But it says, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Shalom. Actually, this is a blessing for flourishing. And that flourishing is found in this source of his countenance being upon us. This speaks of us being in his presence in many ways. So um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you flourishing. So it's the presence of Christ in our lives that is the source of ultimate flourishing in spite of our circumstances or in the midst of them. I'm sure that we can all identify, even right here, right now, areas in our lives where we would like to be flourishing more. You may not be currently seeing the fullness of flourishing or even a hint of flourishing. But actually in him, there is always hope and the possibility because that is who he is. Your father is committed to your flourishing. His intention is for us to flourish. And he has provided both the means and the end because he is a good, good father. I don't think any of us can honestly declare that we have experienced full shalom. We are all in that transformative process of flourishing. So my question, I've got two questions that I want to just ask of you this evening, not necessarily to answer now, but to reflect with the Lord upon. The first is, what area of your life is God highlighting to restore or increase flourishing to? So what area of your life I love that he's a one thing at a time God. So what is an area of your life that he's speaking to you about right now that he's highlighting to bring restoration or that increase in flourishing to? And what invitation is he issuing to you in this transformative process of flourishing and actually becoming more deeply planted in him? So what invitation is he issuing you in this transformative process of flourishing in your life? So as we finish with Proverbs 31, I feel that this fictitious woman represents for us the depiction of an ordinary life that is lived well that within her life, there's actually an invitation to a glorious potential. And that's the potential and potential, sorry, of our feminine heart connected to Jesus with all the resources of heaven at our disposal, fully alive in Christ to live as valiant women, which is who he's called us to be, valued and flourishing. I actually, I was talking to the Lord about this today and I was like, oh God, is this a bit of a bold proclamation? But I actually feel that prophetically speaking, we as vision women are in a season of being called deeper, that we are being called deeper still. And that 
um, his word over us for this year is valued and flourishing, remembering that he has the means as well as the end. So valued and flourishing is what the promise is. And he's going to provide the means for us as we respond to his invitations in our life. So what I actually want to do this evening as we finish is that I actually want us to declare the ironic blessing over one another. That in fact, this is a blessing for flourishing. That's what it is. And so what I'd like us to do is to stand, if that's all right. And if you can gently lay hands on a person on either side of you, if you have someone. I'm going to come over here, but I have to bring the words with me. And what I'll do, I mean, you may know it, you, you may know this, but I'm just going to get you to repeat it after me so that we can just declare it. So that's what we're doing. It's a declaration. We're declaring over each other this evening afresh a blessing for flourishing. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. And give you peace or flourishing shalom. So Father, that is our heart this evening, God, as women. We look to you as the source of flourishing in our life. God, we just lift up afresh to you those areas of our life that are feeling less than flourishing. And we thank you, God, that your promise over us this year as women is that we are valued and flourishing. And so, Father, I pray that both in our coming to you and responding to your invitations, but also, God, as a group of women, that we would encourage one another that we would value one another and um, encourage one another in flourishing God in all aspects of our ordinary life, knowing, God, that we serve an extraordinary God, that you are a good, good Father and that your heart is for us to flourish, God. Father, our desire as women is to bring glory to you. And so, Father, I just pray that as we finish this evening, you would really be speaking to our hearts. Lord, that this would just not be a message, but actually that there would be a transformative process at work in our lives through your Holy Spirit, bringing about your perfect peace or your perfect shalom in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.